everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Man, it's been a good morning so far. So glad that you all are here with us this morning. Um, I'm excited about the word that God is going to minister to us today. Um, Today we are coming to the tail end. We have this week and next week of wrapping up. Long story short, last week we talked about the mission and this week, we are talking about truly the, the catalyst, the, the, the organization, the organism, the conduit that God has designated for fulfilling and accomplishing his mission in the earth, his church. Now, I know that when we talk about the church, at least, and this is not necessarily a new thing, but because of social media and the internet, we just tend to be more aware of it. Everybody has something to say about the church. And it's a lot of times not all that great. We hear about saying, man, the church did this, or the church did that. Or, you know, I wish the church would just be the church. And nobody even knows what the church is to be it. And so just as last week, we wanted to bring some clarity and some definition to understanding the mission of God and understanding what it means to make disciples. I want to give some clarity and definition to what the church is. You've heard us say this multiple times already, and we will say it again and again. The church is the family of God. But the church is not just a family. The church is not just a collection. It's just not a community. It's not just a support group or a country club. The church is a family with a mission. We're a family that's been called to be a force of transformation. And so God wants us to be able to embrace both of these things and walk in the fullness of it. But the first thing I need you to know and I want you to hear, and especially I want you to hear this son and daughter of God and believer, is that if you are a child of God, the church is not an option. You don't get to say, I'm a member of the team, and be like, man, forget that team. I can't stand that team. That team is you. The church is not like the man, right? The church is made up of people. Ben, you the church. Y'all with me? Tyler, you the church. Zaya. You the church. Jessica. What up, Jessica? We love Endgame, don't we? You the church. You are the church. And so I'm hoping that today we can allow God to deal with any bitterness, hurt, offense, ill-conceived notions of what the church is so we can actually walk in it. Because it's you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're calling us to. We thank you that you've called us to be a part of the family in which we are not only children. 
And so, Lord, help us to understand how it is that we are to walk together, why you've put us together. And, Lord, I'm asking that you would come and that you would disconnect every lie and every broken area that would hinder us, that would keep us back from walking in exactly what you've called us to be and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Do I need to do something different, Brian? I feel like I'm feeding back a lot. Is that that dude right there? That tall drink of water? Y'all, can we give it up for Caleb Gerard? So, for those of you who don't know, we are part of a larger spiritual family called Every Nation Ministries. And one of my favorite churches, we have churches all over the nation, all over the world. And one of my favorite Every Nation families, our spiritual cousins, are at In Focus Church in Augusta, Georgia. And um, the, the parents of this fine young lad are the senior pastors of that church, uh, Pastor Brent and Carla. And uh, we have just been blessed with their offspring. And this dude, he is an anointed man of God, an anointed leader, worship leader. Right now he's interning with Every Nation Music. And just is like, hey, guys, why don't I come up and hang out with you for a weekend? I think he really wanted to see Johnny swim, which he did. We got the residual blessing. Hallelujah. So y'all give him a hand as he walks off. All right. Okay, so whenever we make a statement like the church is the family of God, now, there's a part of it that can have like warm, fuzzy feelings and connotations, but there's also another part of it that can cause us hesitation because family is crazy, y'all. Like, you know, family is crazy, and you always got crazy. I don't care who you are. If you don't think your family is crazy, it's probably because you are the crazy in your family, and everybody else has been dealing with your crazy behind since you were born. Family is crazy. Family is crazy. You got the, it, it doesn't matter how big your family is. I'm excited. This afternoon, this evening, we get to celebrate uh, Mr. Kyle Mitchell and Tara Alves getting married. And Kyle is one of nine siblings. That's a lot of crazy in a family. Right? It doesn't matter if you got nine or if you're a crazy party of one, an only child, just the only crazy, the crazy representative for your family. We all got crazy. We all got brokenness. We got cousins that we get along with. We got cousins that we love, but you love from a distance. We got aunties and uncles. You got the, the close-talking relatives at the family reunion where you always need a wingman to pull you out of the conversation if it gets a little too awkward. You know, you got the auntie that's always asking you, when are you going to get married? But then when you bring the boyfriend to the family reunion, she's hitting on him, and you're like, wait, I thought, I thought you were trying to, why are you inhibiting this situation? We got crazy families. And this is not anything new. It, especially if you read the Bible, you can't get too far in the Bible without seeing a whole lot of crazy. Crazy parents, crazy kids, crazy cousins, crazy cousins, marrying cousins. It's just craziness. And yet, God is so amazing that he's like, you know what? I'm going to work through this crazy. I, I'm actually going to walk you guys through and help you see if you can get past you and come into me how dangerous 
a force you can be. You see, God created family out of family. In Genesis 1, God, it, God three in one, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity. It's this mystery of three in one that God was full, fully fulfilled, loved, incredible community in and of himself. He did not create us because he was lonely and didn't have a date to the prom. I know that hurt somebody. God bless you. He's going to heal you this morning. God did not create us out of insecurity. God wasn't sitting up in heaven and be like, oh my gosh, who's going to go see Endgame with me? I'll make friends, 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 friends. That's not how he worked. God was fully satisfied in incredible oneness and unity within the Trinity. And it was out of that love that he said, I want to create man and woman in my image so they can also experience this synergy and unity and fellowship. We were created out of perfect family to be a family. Y'all with me this morning? And so when God is creating, we see in Genesis 2 that he creates man. And if you read Genesis 1, and you've probably, even if you haven't read it, you maybe saw it in a kid's nursery book or in flannel grams in Sunday school one day, where it, after every day of creation, he was like, ooh, that's good. I'm going to make some stars. Bam. Ooh, that's good. I'm going to make some trees. Bam. Woo. Uh, that's good. Kale. Mm, now nah, you're still good. Uh, and he's making all these things, but then after he makes man, he, he looks and he does what a lot of artists do is they kind of look back and you kind of, no, it's not good for man to be alone because he was birthing family out of family and so he understood it takes more than one. And so he fashions woman and we see the foundations of community built. God has not called you to walk this thing out alone. Now, because a family is a force when walking in unity and walking together, the enemy doesn't want us to experience this kind of synergy. He doesn't want us to experience this kind of unity. He comes at it and he tries to do what the lions or the hyenas do on planet earth or the blue planet or whatever version of that you see where he tries to isolate us from the pack. He tries to cut us off so that we're, we are easier to take down. This morning, I want to focus on these two dynamics of the church as the family of God and a force for transformation. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 19, and we're going to read 19 through 22. Lord, help me this morning. I got so much stored up in me right now. Woo! Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. I want you to get this. In him you also are being built together in a dwelling place, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what do we need to know first and foremost about the family of God? We are not just called to be just a family. The family of God is called to be a family centered on Christ. Centered on Christ. See, many people might view the church as a building, 
as a worship service, as a religious organization. What the Bible teaches us is that the church is truly, it's primarily a people, not just about programs. It's a body. It's not just about a building. It's a community, not just crowds. It's spiritual family, not just a buddies, buddies or friends. And it's not that programs or buildings or crowds or friends are bad, but we have to know that the main, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is making Jesus known. Making Jesus known. We are called to be a family founded by the Father, centered in Jesus, and built by the Spirit. But I want to focus this morning on the centered on Jesus point. Because this is where we get things off so often. We are called in Ephesians 4 the body of Christ. The body of? The body of? Right, not just the body of tolerance, not the body of humanism, not the body of eternal happiness, not the body of convenience, the body of Christ. See, we are a body with a head. We are a building, we are a tabernacle, a dwelling place with a cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. And what we understand is the way in which you view him will determine how you view yourself and what it is that we are called to become. Because the word of God tells us that we as the body, our role and our calling, part of it is to build each other up into the head that is Christ. So if we aren't seeing him for who he says he is and for who he is, then we will grow up misshapen and distorted. We will be an image, but not into his image. Y'all with me this morning? You know, there's an encounter in Matthew 16, verse 15. And some of you have heard this verse before, and I think it is so important for what we're talking about, is where Simon Peter, Jesus poses the question, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter responds, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, Now, what is he talking about when he's talking about this rock? On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When he's talking about the rock, the rock isn't just like this zealous Peter. The rock he is referring to is the cornerstone, the rock of the revelation of Jesus. And who he is, that's what I'm going to build my church on. I'm not building my church on programming. I'm not building my church on social justice outreaches. Should we outreach? Should we believe for social justice? Absolutely. But we could do all those things if the foundation is not Christ. It's useless. And what we're really doing is building an edifice for ourselves. How good are we? You see this all the time. How good is humanity? Look at humanity's efforts in working together. We've seen in Scripture what it looked like when men and women tried to build an edifice to make themselves seem as though they were close to God. 
And it was out of that that all the languages were dispersed and scattered. God is wanting to build a people who are unified, lifting him up. It is this force that he says the gates of hell will not withstand against it. This is not talking about, I don't know how many of you have seen gates with legs that chase after you. Like I think oftentimes when we look and we think about the gates of hell will not prevail, we picture like, like the defense, the signs that people have at football teams and some people going, I'm coming, I'm coming. It's the gates of hell. No, 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 no. If you look at gates, what, what is the, what's the problem with the gate? A gate is an access point. If you think of a door that is locked, that, that won't open, there is something of value on the other side of that, that the gate is hindering you from walking in. He's saying, this church is on the move. There are things that he's called us to access in the city that we will not access apart from a revelation of who Jesus is. And he's not calling us to sit back. Sometimes we just, especially like we get real extra, you know, and, and if we get real super spiritual and hype and we just like, I'm going to speak to the gate. God's calling you to walk into the gate. Walk through it. Step out in faith. Say no to fear and walk in his calling. It's all right. We are called to be a family built on the foundation of Jesus. The second thing is going off of that scripture. God's called us to be an unstoppable force. An unstoppable force. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... Was uh, in Christ, where we reconciled, he reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God has unified us, he has gathered us, he has adopted us to continue the transformational ministry of Jesus, the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of transformation. If all we do is gather together and just sit and have inspiring music and homilies about how to live a better life and the communities and the places and spaces that we find ourselves are not being transformed, the families and the classes and the campuses and the businesses that we are are not becoming better because we're there, then we're missing the point. In Matthew 5, where our name, City of Lights, comes from, before it talks about light, it talks about salt. You are the salt of the earth. And when a salt loses its flavor, when it loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything except to be scattered about and trampled. What does salt do? Salt is a preservative, but salt also makes things taste better. Imagine ramen noodles without salt. Be nasty. Oh, see, see, somebody, oh my gosh. No, Lord. Let it not be. I need that seasoning chicken fake packet. I do. Um, 
if, if saltiness, if, if we're not actually making the places that God has sent us better because the kingdom is in us and we're there, we actually rinse, render ourselves useless. We, we are neglecting the purpose that God has designed us for. You know, one of the things that we talk about, and you've heard in, in City of Lights, if you go on our website, if you see some of our communication pieces, is we say that we exist to connect to people, ignite a city, and light the world for the glory of God. That's our mission statement. We believe that God has called us when we show up on Sunday morning, you know, yes, is this a place where God wants to draw and heal the broken and the lost? Absolutely. But let me tell you, the church is not meant to be a perpetual support group where we all come and we, we get name tags and we go around the circle and we say, hey, I'm John. Hi, John. Um, and, and we just go and share our scar stories and show our wounds and talk about this. You know what? We want to bear. We want to be honest. We want to bring our hurts and our pains. But God is here not just to heal you, but to commission you and release you. Because your story and who you are is not defined by your brokenness. Your Do you understand? The reason that the enemy came to disrupt and break and cause division among you, sons and daughters of Eve, is because he understands that you're not a weakling. You actually contain the very essence of God. You have been made as a vessel to carry his presence in and to every corner of the earth. And so the reason that he's come against you is because he actually recognizes that there's more power and authority in you than you do yourself. Some of you have been missing out on what God, on, on the church experience, and you're so frustrated because... You've been content with it just being a place that you show up to check the box off for doing your good Christian duty. Rather than realizing it was actually not just for that, it was actually God wanted to speak to you and call that greatness and call what he, the deposits of faith and transformation that he put in you, even as a little girl, to call it out so that you could begin to walk in new boldness and walk in new power and walk in new authority. If you want to get a good picture of how the church, the transformational force that I believe the church is to be in the earth, you need to go watch Avengers Endgame. <laughs> I'm not going to give away spoilers. Honestly, if you haven't seen it by now, you deserve the spoilers. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're not a true believer in Marvel. I'm not talking about the kingdom. It's not sacrilege. Erase that off the tape. No. <laughs> No, my point is, is it's not just about a bunch of people coming and talking about, man, I've been wounded. Man, you've been wounded. Who wounded you? Yes, this church wounded me. That person wounded me. This No, it's about recognizing we have a mission. We have something that's bigger than any one of us individuals in here. And you know what? All of us are broken. All of us are needy. All of us are hurting. But you know what? Talking about just grieving about it, talking about it perpetually and never moving on is not going to heal it. 
We come before the healer. We come before the lover of our souls and allow him to do the inner work that he needs to do. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we don't need to process things. We need to, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with every area of our emotions, every area of our brokenness, every area of our disenfranchisement and our disappointment. He cares about us. The Word says that we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for you. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but what I am saying is that is not the penultimate call of your life. I don't think we ought to give the pain the power to define us that we often do. I want my life to be defined by his purpose more than my pain. You are a giant slayer. You are, per I just think, can you imagine I just think of the people that God has used through history as we've walked through this journey of long story short. And I just think of all of the people that seek easily could have shrank back because of who they were or who they weren't. David. We know about David. We talk about especially March Madness, David versus Goliath. And we talk about it in this context. Let me tell you about David. David was the runt of the litter. David was so insignificant that when the prophet came to anoint someone to be the future ruler, he called all of his brothers and left him out to deal with the sheep. His dad did that. This isn't like somebody down the road. It's like, man, if your daddy doesn't call you up, it's like, dang, dad, come on, man. Dang, I'm working. I think about Mary. Mary living in a small village. She was not of a woman of great, you know, wealth and leadership. And God looked at her and said, Mary, I'm going to use you. Me? I'm just a teenage girl. Would you go, go use somebody else who's been walking with you longer. No, no, no. He said, no, you're my pick. You're my pick. Don't, don't look at what you don't have. God, I, I don't have any money. Even if you give me this child, I'm barely even going to be able to, like, deliver him in anything that's going to be more than a barn. No, no, no. You're my pick. You're my pick. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men were exiles. They were slaves. They had been taken into captivity. And yet God said, no, these, these are my pick. I'm going to turn this nation upside down. What is it that God has made you his pick that because of your circumstances, you are shrinking back? Now, oh, Jesus, help me. I want to say a couple things about this. One, many times why we get overwhelmed is because we diminish who God has called us to be as individuals. We allow our circumstances, we allow our situations to define us instead of being defined by God. But the other problem is that we've bought into this thing when we're processing, we actually vision, visualize ourselves as taking on the weight of the world by ourselves. In the movie Avengers, 
Y'all knew I was going to go back. What they realized is that one of us ain't going to cut it. There are certain enemies that individually we're going to get our behinds handed to us. And you know what? There's certain things two of us ain't going to cut it. Y'all hear me? There's certain things I believe God's called us to do. The 100 plus folks that are in this building, we ain't going to cut it. Now I know, like, man, man, pastor, this got real discouraging real quick. Like, what's going on? Man, I thought you were uplifting us. No, what I want us to understand is we need each other. Like, there's some folk in this city, in the body of Christ, might get on your nerves. We need them. Whoa, Jesus. There's some people in this room that get on your nerves. You need them. Ah, this got way too close. We're like, hey, 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 Pastor, don't call me out. My point is we can't do it alone. Ephesians expands on this point. You know, when we think of being the body of Christ, a body is made up of many parts and components. It takes all of us who have been gifted in different ways, working together, coming together, unified together to be who God's called us to be. There's so much that I want to hit on, but I'm going to begin to land the plane. You notice I said I'm beginning to do it. Uh, Caleb, come back up here. You're going to help me wrap it up. I want to, there's lots of ways that I could go, but I want to zero in on this scripture in Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, it's going to give us a framework for how I just want to give us some practical ways that we can begin walking this out. Hebrews beginning in verse 10, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. One translation says, spur one another. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I want to break down the scripture just to help us have some practical takeaways for how can we, what are the next steps? How can we begin walking as this family who is an unstoppable force? Well, I want to start by the beginning of the scripture. It says, consider. Everybody say, consider. Consider, be concerned about others. Notice them. Empathize and honor as one designed by God. If we're going to walk as a family, as we are going to walk as the people that God's called us to be, and let me give you a little snapshot of who God's called City of Lights to be. We are a tribe within the body of Christ. And though not every tribe has the same, you know, some of the same demographics or outlooks, I believe that this tribe is called to be a tribe that is multi-ethnic, multi-generational, that we're not just subdividing age groups, but that we're walking in covenant together. What does that mean? Multi-ethnic ministry is a contact sport. That means we are asking for people to come in who we know are going to offend each other. And it's not just by races. It's, it's classism. It's all kinds of different perspectives within 
different ethnicities, there are divisions and there are different opinions and personalities. And what we're actually saying is, in spite of all those things, let us be united under the banner of Christ and we're gonna figure out how to walk together. But in order for us to do that, we've gotta consider. We actually have to listen to one another. We have to come to each other to listen and to understand and to grow, not to tell each other how you're supposed to be. Not just to assume that we got it all figured out. We've got to learn how to honor one another. Say, stir up. We've got to passionately provoke one another to love and good deeds. I love the other translation says to spur. Because when you think of spurring, it's like a spur is the spiky thing that's on the cowboy boot that gets the horse to move faster. There's sometimes we're walking in covenant together. Cuts! Because you need to be in order to move fast and be propelled in the calling of God. If you have a habit of leaving churches when you get offended, I would encourage you to pause. Because God actually might be trying to help you move and be accelerated in your calling. But every time he does, you leave and you go somewhere else. There's times where we actually have to, we have to spur each other to encourage each other. Hey, I know you can do this. You can move. We can, we're going to do this together. Say, meet together. He says, don't neglect meeting together. Get, we ought to gather together regularly in various ways and in big settings, like when we come and we worship together. It's important that we worship together. I, I would encourage you, this ought not be the only place that you worship Jesus. You can worship in your car, in the shower, at home. If you want to have a, a solo me and Jesus worship time, go to your closet. If you got a walk-in closet, go to the basement and worship Jesus. But when we come here together, we got to worship together. It's about looking at people across the aisle, across the road, who are worshiping Jesus. Not because everything's growing great, but they worship him because he's faithful even in the midst of the mess. There's something about, that's why I don't want it just to be all subdivided with generations. I want my son I want my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old and my 5-year-old son see 50, 60, 70-year-old saints who still love Jesus and are still running the race. I want us to see each other and walk together. Sometimes it's not just Sunday mornings. It might be in city groups and smaller groups. It might be, hey, let's have, let's have lunch together. You know, maybe it's, you know what, on Sundays... Instead of just going back and hiding out in our house, let's, let's, let's on Sundays after church, let's think, man, who can I connect with? Who can I encourage this week? Whose testimony can I hear? Who can I pour into? Who can I bless? We want to meet together. And that goes into the next point. Say encouraging. Get around the people in the church and be an encouragement. I said this to our team this morning as we were getting ready for the service. I said, how many of you this morning did the enemy... Wait and ask for permission before he discouraged you. I don't, I don't know about you. The devil does not wake me up and go, hey, hey, John, I saw you just got up. Yeah, man. Hey, I just want to know, is this a good time? You're getting ready for church? Hey, do you mind if I just tear you down a little bit? No, no? Okay, that's fine. I'll come back later. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't ask my permission. Sometimes even before I get out of bed, have you ever woken up, and before you even open up your eyes, the thought already comes in, man, this day's going to suck. 
I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just saying that's real. Before you even put your feet on the ground, you're already exhausted. We shouldn't ask for permission or wait for the perfect time to lift each other up in Christ. We should often encourage each other, build each other up, speak blessing, speak faith, speak encouragement. And then he says at the end, but encouraging one another. Say one another. Now this phrase one another is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. And it's mostly as an instruction on how we're to relate to one another within Christian community. Here's some examples. This is how we're instructed in Scripture. We're instructed to honor one another, encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, serve one another, bear with one another, accept one another, teach one another. In order to fulfill these instructions, you know what we need? One another. We need each member of the body connecting and functioning and building each other up. We're not called to uniformity. We're called to unity. And it's when we're building together and we're building towards Jesus with him as the cornerstone. It's when we're allowing his mission to fuel us and to unite us so that we can be a force that he's called us to be. It's when we have that revelation that we will truly see God transform the city of Indianapolis and beyond. Now, I could spend a couple more minutes talking about, you know, imagining what life could be like if we did this. Imagine what we could be if we did this. I, there comes a point where I just get tired of imagining. I just want to be. I want us to be. I want us to be this family. I want us to be this unstoppable force. I want us to be light. We could talk about vision statements. I want to tell you, you don't have, we don't have to wait to be light in this city for like when we get to like however many people is the designated people to have an impact in the city. We get to be light right now. Right now. It begins by recognizing who is the cornerstone. So as I want to end just by praying. I want to pray for each of us in here. And everybody just stand to your feet. Everybody, everybody. Here's my prayer. I want to pray for two things. First of all, you can go ahead and bow your heads. First of all, I want to pray for people who you hear this message and you want to believe it and you you know that it's true. There's things stirring in you. But there's also very real hurt and wounding that has been done when you have engaged in the church. Maybe it was a church leader. Maybe it was maybe a a religious environment that was more about honoring the God of do's and don'ts rather than coming and surrendering to the God of more than enough. For whatever reason that you find yourself apprehensive about 
being a part of the family of God and trusting church and trusting church leaders. I don't want to ignore that pain. I don't want to ignore that hurt. But what I do want to do is I want to pray that you would be healed and that God would restore you. And so this morning, if you're saying, I have been hurt by the church, and honestly, I have a hard time trusting. And I hear this, and it's a good word, but I just, I'm having a hard time believing it. I want to, but I'm hurt. I want you to, right where you are, with every head bowed and eye closed, just raise your hand so we can pray for you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. This is not a time, we're not condemning. I just want you to be free. Amen. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I know that you can meet them right where they are. Lord, you know not just the overall and the general challenge. You know the specific moment and incident where trust was broken, where an offense was committed. Lord, you know the very moment of offense and abuse. You know the very day that the thought came in, I will never trust another leader. I'm done. Lord, we recognize that there was pain caused and there was damage done. And Lord, I ask that you would come and that you would meet each person in their place of need and hurt and that you would bring restoration and healing. What that person did, what that situation happened, that was wrong. That should not have happened. That was not God's purpose in your life. His purpose is to restore and heal and call you forth. Lord, I pray that you would restore trust in you. That they would see that you care for them. That you will restore that you will realign them and position them. And that fear that says you've been gone too long is one that they don't need to allow to rule them any longer. Welcome home. Welcome home. Now, I want to pray for a second group, and this is going to be a lot more of you. If you are here this morning and you say, God, I don't want to be just content with going through the church motions, I actually want to be fully engaged into your purpose. I want to walk as a fully alive part of this force of transformation. And I don't want to be lulled to sleep by complacency, but I want to be awakened in your calling. If that's you, see, that's the kind of church that's going to have, that we need to be, that he's calling us to be, to rock and change and flip this city upside down. He doesn't just need more people to gather and clap and smile and throw something in the bucket and walk out the same way. He's looking for people that will be fully alive. And so if that's you this morning, you say, I don't want to just be in the malaise. I don't want to just be in the rat race or the treadmill of religiosity. I want to be fully engaged into his purpose in my life. Raise your hands. Come on. Come on. Come on. Father, we come to you because we're tired of business as usual. God, we do not want to be victims of an oversaturated, over-spiritualized, westernized world 
where it's just kind of a common thing to gather in one place on a Sunday. God, we gather together to honor you, to worship you, but to be reminded that you have called us to something greater than ourselves. And Lord, I ask that you would awaken your purpose. Holy Spirit, that you would set our hearts on fire for your goodness. That we would be filled with your compassion. That we'd be filled with your burden of restoration. God, I pray that it would bother us when we see people who are far from you. Not because we're offended by their sin, but we're compelled by your love to make yourself known to them, God. Lord, I pray that it would not be okay for us to show up to a city group or a Sunday morning by ourselves when we know good and well that you've placed us around a people who are desperate for the very hope that we have been commissioned to walk in. Awaken our hearts, God. In your mercy, wake us up and make us one. This is our prayer. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.